This is Bentley Manning. And this is Kellen Day. This is an experiment to see what happens when church gets canceled. And we find new ways to connect. This is... This is... This is... Empty Pews. Hey everyone, this is Bentley Manning coming to you from Highlands, North Carolina. Hey, this is Kellen. I hope you all enjoyed our podcast last week. Yeah, I, th- I think that maybe we were like a little bit much, but um, hopefully you were somewhat entertained by us railing against the hybrid church. Well, you say we were a bit much. I went back and listened to it, Kellen, and I talked for probably a good 15 minutes straight. <laughs> well, I wasn't going to say you were a bit much. Well, I was a lot, and I thanks for listening. I, so to that end, Kellen, have you given Hybrid Church any more thought? Do you want to spend any more time thinking or talking about Hybrid tr- Church? I promise I'll keep my mouth shut. I don't think I want to spend any more time on it, Bentley. I think we, I think we kind of did it last week. Well, then maybe this week, just for a little bit, instead of talking about what we're against, and I think we're both against Hybrid Church. Is that fair? As presented in that document. Correct. I mean, Are we against live streaming our Eucharist once, you know, a week? No, we do it. Are we against this podcast? Of course not. No, we think that there's wonderful ways for digital communications to reach people. Exactly. So I think I think we're not we're not against using technology, but maybe that particular article we are. I don't think we're in favor of what was advocated by the author. I'm just tired by it. Just tired. Me too. (laughs) Maybe we could just spend a moment talking about the positive. Why we think folks should come back to church. Why we want to go back to church. This is something I've tried to put in front of folks in the last uh, parish post or the current parish post and. How's that sound? Yeah, I think that's a lovely turn. And um, if you haven't read the Parish Post, it came out on Monday. It should be in your inbox. So you should definitely read all of the articles there about why we should return to church. Okay, so Bentley, what would you say to someone, and I'll pretend to be that someone, who has really enjoyed being at home on Sunday mornings has enjoyed sort of, you know, leisurely getting up out of bed, drinking a warm cup of coffee in a really comfy chair with a blanket by a fire and makes a slow brunch for the family and um, and then can just like play and go outside and do the things that they want to do on a Sunday. What, what might you say to them? Like, this is why you should come back to church. Can I just ask a couple of clarifying questions? <laughs> I think it's enormously helpful to have a particular person in mind mm-hmm. because obviously the response might be slightly different to each sure. individual person. Sure. Do you have a job? I did have a job, but I'm now retired from that job. So no, I don't. But I do a lot of volunteer work during the week. Okay, so there are other days of the week where... You would, you're in charge of your schedule and you'd be able to sleep in. Yeah. Okay. There are. Yeah. Okay. So you can wake up slowly six out of the seven days of the week. Well, probably not six out of the seven, but maybe like two or three. Okay. Um, Another question I'd like to ask of this hypothetical person, but it seems important to me, is about values and priorities. Um, 
Most folks, when you ask them why they want to go to church, a couple of things will come to the surface quickly. They'll mention community, and they might mention something like outreach. That is not where I would start in talking with someone about why they should come to church. I think that folks should come to church in order to encounter the risen Lord. They should come to church to be reminded of who they are as children of God. They should come to church in order to confess uh, the ways in which they have turned away from that reality. They should come to church in order to be forgiven of those things and to receive God's grace. And they should come to church in order to be strengthened by God's word and sacrament. That's why you go to church. Now, I don't know that you can get that uh, staying at home in your pajamas by yourself. You can get a lot, some of that. And certainly there are people who are not able to make it to church and the church should do everything in its power to find ways to connect with those people, to reach out, to send people to the homebound. But we're not talking about the homebound now. We're talking about, you know, someone who has a choice. And so I would start with that. And I would, I would say, uh, if those are things that you're interested in, if those are things that you think God cares about, if those are things that you think you should care about, then where else should you go uh, apart from the church to experience the fullness of those, of those things, of God's uh, living presence in the world and in your life? I don't know, Kellen, what, what do you think? I mean, to your point, all your points, Bentley, right? If the mission of the church is to restore us to unity with God and each other, I'm not sure how we go about that or experiencing that reality if we are sitting in our armchairs by a fire by ourselves. I think we can maybe perhaps through prayer experience some unity with God in that moment for sure. Um, but the the sort of visible symbol of the body of Christ gathered is that we are one body. And I'm not sure you get that anywhere else except in church. I try something else out on you a bit, Kellen, thinking about this? Yeah. Um, you know, I think in general, if you asked kind of folks about their experience of church, they might first go to kind of, you know, what they get out of it. Mm-hmm. You know, the, you know, what do I get out of church? Like a sense of community. Right. Which and may belonging. also be like the underlying kind of part of this question. Why go back? The next question that will bubble up immediately is, well, what do I get out of it? Okay. Like it's something to extract. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Now, so, so just hold that. And then the other impulse is, I think, for a lot of people is, what can I give it? What can I do to help lead this organization? Mm-hmm. Right? What, what can I offer? And if there's not a place for me to offer something, then maybe I shouldn't get too involved. Mm-hmm. And I would just 
just say is that maybe before you get to those other two questions, what can I do, what can I give it, or what can I get from it, is just kind of some of the really central heart parts of our experience of going to worship as Christians, it might simply be, uh, first, that we all need a place to say thank you. We all need a place to say, I'm sorry. (laughs) We all need a place to say, help me. And we all need a place to say, help me. Mm -hmm. Now, I'm not sure how those first two questions necessarily fit in to those other questions we just named. But if I was talking to someone about going back to church, I might ask them those questions we just came up with. Uh, Don't you need a place to say thank you? Don't you need a place to say I'm sorry? Don't you need a place to say, to your point, help me? Mm -hmm. Um, And I would would encourage folks who are thinking about going back to church to, to think about those things. And if if those are things that you want in your life, where where will you find answers to those things? I think that your thoughts pair really well with the article by Francis Wade in our parish post. And I thought it would be helpful maybe just to read a quotation. So he says, Worshippers are not spectators. Something powerful is supposed to be happening in the nave because of all that is emanating from the chancel, pulpit, and sanctuary. Some lives need to be affirmed, others challenged. Some ideas need to be built upon, others eroded. Some hopes need to be protected, others dashed. Assumptions can be exposed, beliefs reshaped, paths of faithfulness cleared. All need to be reminded again and again that love is the what, why, and how of faithful living. No one service can do all of these things, but the cumulative effect of a worship discipline should not fail to do them. Let us know... um, what your reasons are for coming back and maybe your anxieties or worries if you're not ready to. We'd love to hear from you. All we need is love I am certain of that And it's all because Every time I look back And where I was before you changes So I think that the gospel is proclaimed in all sorts of places, you know, throughout the world and creation, um, but is maybe most clearly and boldly proclaimed 
um, and the body gathered. And so this Sunday we'll hear the gospel reading from the fifth, 15th chapter of John. And Bentley, do you want to tell us what it says? Sure. Uh, this is a bit of a continuation from last Sunday uh, where Jesus is talking what it looks, what it means and what it looks like to abide uh, in, in his love, in God's love. Uh, and, and here in the 15th chapter of John, it says um, that part of that will mean, a large part of that will mean keeping God's commandments. And then Jesus kind of says what exactly keeping God's commandments entails, and he boils it down uh, to this, uh, that his commandment is that, if, that you love one another as he has loved us. And the way in which Christ has loved us is by laying his life down for the sake of his friends. And so Jesus commends that way of living to us uh, with the assurance that in doing so, we will abide in God. So um, I might preach this gospel text. I might um, preach the occasion of Rogation Sunday. And the Rogation days are the three days leading up to the Ascension. And it's they're there to kind of remind us that our lives and seasons are in God's hands. They're traditionally days that we um, ask God's blessing on agriculture and the earth and industry. Um, and so the sixth Sunday of Easter, this coming Sunday, is has been called Rogation Sunday, but we've kind of lost that tradition. But some folks in the church are trying to reclaim it to ask blessing on lands and waters and um, the goodness of the earth. So, um, but if I were to preach this gospel text, which I might still, I haven't decided. Um, Three words stick out to me in it. So the first one is joy. Something about how the commandments that God and Christ have given us, this commandment to love one another, um, is for our joy, which is, I think, just a really liberating, hopeful turn, right? We can think of commandments as these um, burdensome or difficult things that God has given us to do. But here in John, Jesus is really clear about it. Like it's not supposed to like make your life terribly difficult or um, boring or legalistic or whatever it is that you think of when you think of the word commandments. But it's for your joy, that your joy may be complete. Um, The second word that sticks out to me in this reading is the word friends, Um, that we are no longer called servants, but friends of Jesus. And I just think there's a whole lot there (laughs) to explore in terms of our own um, relationship with God that there's this um, mutual giving, that God wants our friendship, that he has chosen us. And um, and that's, I don't know, just like a miraculous and wondrous thing to ponder, um, at least for me. And then the last word, um, which I just mentioned, is this word, chose. 
Um, there's this little line in here that Jesus said, you did not choose me, but I chose you. And there's this great sense of um, agency on God's part just to um, continue to come after us, to choose us, to love us, to make us his friends, um, this sort of <laughs> uh, firm relentless pursuit of each and every one of us. So those are the initial things that come to mind for me with this passage. What about you, Bentley? Kellen, I'm not sure I have much more to add to your reflection, uh, but thinking about those words, um, joy, friends, and chose, I'm just simply thinking like you, what a gift it is that God's decided to befriend us and the joy that comes from that friendship. I'm also just reminded that like any good friendship, our friendship with God will necessarily mean that we are changed and that we learn and grow and become more like God and at the same time uh, more like the people we were created to be. I think all the good friendships I have, I sense that those two things happen at once. One is that we learn uh, from the other. We become a bit more like the people that we're in relationship with. And at the same time, we become more of who we are uh, as individuals created in God's image. So. That's, that's what I'm thinking about, Kellen. But in the end, what a gift, as you've rightly noted, that God would want to be our friends. and a sage of her time. In you, Father Almighty, we have our preservation and our bliss. In you, Christ, we have our restoring and our saving. You are our mother, brother, and savior. In you, our Lord, the Holy Spirit is marvelous and plenteous grace. You are our clothing. For love, you wrap us and embrace us. You are our maker, our lover, our keeper. Teach us to believe that by your grace, all shall be well, and all shall be well, and all manner of things shall be well. Amen. Friends, really wonderful to be with you on this podcast. We've just got a couple of uh, updates. 
announcements. The first is it's beautiful outside. I hope it's beautiful where you are. Get outside and enjoy God's creation. The second is that um, our worship capacity, our in-person capacity has increased starting this coming Sunday, May 9. So we're 8 o'clock, 9.30 and 11 o'clock. All have around 38 slots to sign up for worship, which is almost double what we've had in the past. So you should totally come to worship um, if you're in town and um, you're thinking about it. We'd love, love to have you. And in the meantime, as always, know that we love you. We miss you. God's peace.